Hey guys, it's Allison. I am so glad you're here with me. I want to tell you that this podcast, From Weeds to Wildflowers, it's all about resilience. So then it's pretty much about life. And if you've ever experienced life, then this podcast could possibly be for you. I want to put a disclaimer out there first. I am not a therapist. I'm not here to give you advice or to tell you what to do. What I am though is human. Yep, same as you. A human being that has an immense desire to want to help people discover ways to heal. There is so much suffering in this world, some of which stems from outside influences, but most of our suffering comes from within, from our own devices. And that is what worries me the most. I too have suffered, and yes, some of which came by means of my own hands. I would love for you to join me and walk alongside me as we navigate this wonderful, beautiful, sometimes frightening thing we call life. Let's find out what we're made of, and perhaps we can find ways we can do it better. Help me to unearth skills to dig deep in search of proverbial water that heals. Let's learn how to bloom wherever we find ourselves not just where we're planted, and uncover the source of our own innate personal happiness. Come on now, let's do this together. All right, I'd like to welcome all of you to the podcast today, and I have a special treat. I have Mike Simpson here. If any of you have listened to any of the previous podcasts and listened to the one that I have Phil Cook on, This is Phil Cook's best friend, Mike Simpson, and they've been friends since they were 11 years old. But not only that, Mike is um, a professional in the field of mental health, and I will let him explain to you what that means so I don't muck it up. All right. (laughs) Thanks so much, Mike, for being on the podcast today. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Yeah. So and in Phil's podcast, you you spoke about the hypnosis work Mm -hmm. that I did with him. Yes. So, so I'm a specialist at working in the subconscious mind. And I, I use a few different modalities to help people work through their issues. Uh, one of the, the, the primary one that people reach out to, to have help with is hypnotherapy. Um, but I'm also a neuro-linguistic programming master practitioner and also a health practitioner. Uh, so NLP is the, is the short uh, acronym for for that that's probably a little easier to say i know i've heard the term nlp are you able uh-huh. to explain to me what that actually means maybe there's yeah. people who are listening who don't know either yeah so nlp is is a recognized uh it, it's a uh, it's a modality that that was really pulled together back in the 70s um by a few hippies in fact <laughs> and and they really they they were uh they were going to college, uh, studying psychology, and they became very interested in figuring out how certain individuals could have such profound success after a single session. And so they developed this whole NLP protocol around modeling um, excellence after after professionals and experts. Okay. And And so the whole theory behind NLP is... If that person can do it, then I can do it if I follow the same sequence of steps. And so they, they really did a deep dive into linguistics. And so that's where linguistic comes from. So neuro-linguistic programming, it's, it's, it's actually through, through linguistics, you can program new neural pathways inside of the brain. 
And so I, I use neuro-linguistic programming, um, mostly conversational, to help people dig up um, belief systems, limiting beliefs that are holding them back. And, you know, you've probably heard the term before that perception is reality. Mm -hmm. And so my, my specialty is to be able to crawl into someone's perception, understand it, and then help that person recognize some of the, the blind spots in their perception that prevents them from seeing certain aspects of reality that's causing pain and, and problems for them. And so I use NLP to, to really help someone uh, reinvent themselves, reinvent a new perception and, and really go in and identify what's, what's stopping them from having that new perception. And it, and it goes a little deeper than that too. So, it, so we'll dig up people's belief systems, we'll look at their perception, but through hypnosis and through NLP, we also have the ability to disassociate trauma from a memory and this so tear this it is apart a, from the memory almost. yeah yeah and so so when, when any of us ever go through trauma the limbic system of the brain it actually records the negative emotions that are associated with that experience okay and so once that association is encoded in the limbic system then it's if then there's a dormant trigger that's now waiting inside of your subconscious mind and it, so a trigger can, can be fired off by, the, by a smell, a certain smell or a certain sound or a certain look, a certain phrase. You know, any stimulus in your environment um, can, can, can like activate that trigger, which essentially means from a subconscious level, it can activate that emotion that was present during that trauma. Okay. And it's probably important to acknowledge here that the subconscious mind uh, doesn't understand the concept of time. And so if it happened 20 years ago, you know, you can have a conscious justification saying, well, that happened so long ago that that wouldn't affect me anymore. Mm -hmm. But the reality of it is because the subconscious mind doesn't understand time, then it can activate that emotion and it can be as, as, terrifying and terrible as it was 20 years ago if that trigger really gets rattled wow and so so a lot of times people who come to me and they're they're struggling with anxiety or you know panic attacks uh that can usually be rewired fairly easily through through the the use of hypnosis and nlp to to basically go in and and disconnect that emotional reaction from that memory and and you know hopefully to to be able to associate a positive emotion to that memory so as to neutralize that trigger that was that had been created wow that's amazing yeah it, it, it really is amazing and it's it's difficult for me to to really explain it you know to give it justice in, in a short conversation um, but just real quickly, just by way of introduction, one of the other modalities that, that I use, I'm also a, a licensed heart math coach okay. and heart math, H-E-A-R-T math. It's, it's one word together. And heart math is a, it's a scientific and a medical consortium where they've been studying um, 
intelligence and they've been studying heart intelligence and they've been studying, you know, you talk a lot about resilience mm-hmm. and they have a lot of material um, that they acknowledge around this term that they call coherence, which, which is really similar to resilience, but it's, it's in multiple facets of resilience in different aspects of your life. But the heart math um, modality that I use uh, has some just profound and simple tools that I'm able to teach people to either dramatically reduce or even eliminate the symptoms of depression, anxiety, and PTSD. So it's, it's exciting information because most people, when, when they hear these words, depression, anxiety, PTSD, there's almost a stigma attached to it mm-hmm. that it's a disease that you can do nothing about. And, you know, and, and there's, a, there's a lot of like a pharmaceutical mindset that, you know, you can address the symptoms of these problems with, with pharmaceuticals. Right. But there's but there's also a stigma attached to these things that if if you're diagnosed with these things, then you can never get better. And that's where I take issue. You know, that's that's really mm-hmm. where where I step into the conversation, um, because, you know, so I've been working in the subconscious mind. I've been doing this type of work um, for 25 years. Oh, wow. And, and so so I've I've worked with literally thousands of of clients over the years and and i've i've literally seen thousands of miracles i've seen people overcome depression and anxiety you know that had they had carried their entire lives and i've seen that dissipate and lift off of their shoulders and this is this is a profound thing and in fact this this was the story with phil you know Mm -hmm. you and i had we should have a common friend in phil and Correct. Phil's one of my best friends, as we say, we went all the way back, you know, to, to sixth grade. And that's when we started our journey together. Phil carried, he witnessed the death of his, his older brother and best friend. Um, he was struck by a car when Phil was in sixth grade. It, it devastated him. And it became something that was so traumatic that the only way he could deal with it is to bury it. And you, you don't want to think about that anymore. And the subconscious mind is going to help you with that by hiding that from you. It wants to build a wall and it wants to hide that information on the other side of that wall so as to protect you. But as I explained earlier, when these triggers get formed, they may be hidden from conscious view. Right. But when they get triggered, they will flood your body with stress hormones and ad- adrenaline. And, and basically the negative emotions attached to those past unresolved memories can, can really wreak havoc in your life. And like it happens all over again. It happens. Yeah. It happens all over again, all over again. But the problem is from a conscious perspective, you could be completely clueless as to, to why your mood is so poor or, mm-hmm. or why you're feeling so much anxiety or why, why you're feeling so depressed. Right. So so your right. conscious mind is often disconnected from what's happening on the other side of that wall. Hypnosis becomes a very powerful tool, you know, almost like, you know, a scalpel in the hand of a surgeon. If you do it correctly, you can really get into that subconscious mind and you can 
you can eliminate, you know, and re-encode that trauma. You can, you can infuse um, different types of emotions and feelings. And, and then more importantly, you know, and, and what, what we, you know, what happened with Phil is we were able to change his narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of, a lot of his depression that he carried for, for 45 years, really the depression that he carried that he dealt with by not dealing with, he had it buried and hidden away right. and, and was very protective of it. So he would lock that away. It wasn't okay to talk about it. And he would get really angry if any, anything would ever come up because that was his MO deal with it right. by not dealing with it. Avoidance right. therapy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Avoidance therapy. Yeah. By by ignoring that information, he had built a perception. There was a hidden perception that the death of his brother was his fault, that he instigated that somehow it was his fault, and he felt unworthy of being happy. You know, so if if I if I throw this term out to you, and if I, you know, what's your guess if if someone is carrying around this perception that they're not worthy to be happy? Then, then really, what are their chances of being happy? Well, zero <laughs> or yeah. very little. Yeah, they, they won't try because they, they believe they don't deserve it. And that might not even be a conscious perspective. Right. It's just, you know, they become so programmed to avoid that, that they become experts at being distracted at things that they're good at. I mean, just from things that I've learned and things that I've been through in my own life, you know, if you avoid it long enough, even though it's not a conscious thought, it becomes you. You become that way. And so you end up attracting what you are. Yeah, I have, oh, that's absolutely correct. There's a frequency that's, yeah. that's attached to that negative, that negative perception. And so the negative perception reinforces a negative emotion that's just always like a low-grade fever running in the background. You feel like it's like a positive loop. You know how our bodies have feedback loops. It yeah. would be more like a positive feedback loop instead of like a negative. Because in a negative feedback loop, the body shuts down once it gets like with high blood pressure. Once it gets to a certain point, then that stimulus shuts back off. But it sounds like it's almost like a positive feedback loop on a low grade level. Do you know what I mean? That it, yeah. it keeps well, feeding it underneath the scenes. That's right. Yeah, I mean, the worse I feel, uh, you know, uh, about myself, the, the more unworthy I feel, the worse I feel. And the worse I feel, the more unworthy I feel. And so that becomes a self-reinforcing perception mm. that that starts to run subconsciously. It becomes a program. And, you know, maybe I can explain a little concept here that, that would really underscore what I'm what I'm saying here. So there were some scientists that performed um, some tests on rats in mazes. That I this I was really amazed by this mm-hmm. this this story. So the rats they would let the rats into the maze and they and they put these little sensors on the on the heads on the foreheads to measure the activity in the frontal cortex. Mm-hmm. And so while the rats you know were busy learning the maze, then there was lots of activity. So the frontal cortex was lighting up so you could measure the brain activity. But once the rat had memorized the maze and knew how to get to the reward, 
it could run all the way through the maze without any activity lighting up in the frontal cortex. It, be, it became a memorized program. Okay. So it, it never actually reaches your consciousness. It becomes a memorized program. Almost like a so, reflex. Yeah. And so, so if I have a negative program that has become automatic, that means that I don't even know that I don't know. Right. I, I, so I'm, a, I'm the rat in the maze running through my daily routine, not thinking about anything. So my frontal cortex doesn't light up. I'm just busy doing my work, busy being distracted with whatever life is throwing at me. And as long as I stay busy and as long as my productivity can be strong, then I don't have a problem. But can you see what kind of problem comes into my life when that maze gets disrupted? When oh, suddenly yeah. the open door that I used to automatically run through now has a slot there that prevents me from running into running through the door door. Yeah. As, as soon as I hit that Handy. door. Yeah. Well, as soon as I hit that door, what happens with my frontal cortex is it instantly lights up. It wakes me up from that that subconscious dance that I was yeah. doing. And so that's what I want to help people do is, is break the loop. Yeah. Break the loop. Inter and, interrupt and, the cycle. Yeah. Okay. That's right. And, and once you've broken the loop, then, then you can empower someone. You empower them to say, look, this is as simple as making a choice. It's, it's just a choice. That's all it is. And what people figure out is, you know, sometimes it, let's just say someone has a trigger that fires on them. 50 times a day let's say they've been through something really traumatic and 50 times each day that trigger is firing and it's affecting them for three or four minutes at a time well how much time does that siphon out of someone's day trying to manage those negative emotions that are firing outside of their awareness not to mention what it does to their body yeah it, exactly it's it's wasting mental cycles and and so and not only that but what's happening in their body is when these negative emotions are creative these things are expensive, negative emotions. If I'm, I'm going to create rage or if I'm going to create fear or blame or anger, you know, resentment, any of those things, it, it has a, a, just a massive cost. So it takes everything that I have in my emotional bank to be able to pay for those things for the day. And so therefore, you know, talk about resilience. What's my day going to be like if I've got 50 triggers a day? that are wearing me out all day oh. long, right? So so I'm like, exactly. a, I'm like a tire that has a hole in it. You know, all you can do is drive from gas station to gas station and pump it up again. Holy cow. Yeah. And so we need to plug the leak. You know, so when we go back to making a decision, but what I was saying is when people start learning, so I, I teach a protocol in my group workshop and it, you know, that's, this is something that I've put a lot of thought into. So, um, you know, I, I do make a living with this, but I'm not interested in making money to help people, you know, so I recorded an 11 hour workshop. Um, you can, you can learn more about the workshop at Mike Simpson live. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's my website. Um, and I'll put all that in the show notes as yeah, well. And so, so, in, but in the workshop, I teach people tools. I teach them, what do you do when a trigger fires? And you would just you'd not believe how excited people get when they realize that they're actually more empowered than they thought they were. 
And when they make the decision to start seeing the triggers instead of just letting them run in the background, that they confront the triggers, they, they acknowledge that the triggers are firing, and it creates what we call a, de a decision point. And a decision point basically means a fork in the road. Mm -hmm. So I, I hit the fork in the road, and I can't just keep driving straight anymore. I've got to make a decision. I can turn left into anxiety, or I can turn right and do what's right for me. And, and I, can, I, can, I can turn into a new routine that I've been creating that's designed to nullify that trigger, that emotional reaction. That with some effort, you know, and with some practice, you know, if if I'm if I'm following this new routine mm -hmm. 50 times a day, you can imagine over the course of a few weeks, if I'm really disciplining myself to confront those triggers, well, what starts happening as I as I do that new routine over and over again when that trigger fires? You're you're developing a resilience to that. You're you know what I mean? You're you're finding different routes. You're finding different ways. And the more time you spend in that reality, then it's easier to, to get into that reality. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. But what we're doing is we're creating new neural pathways. We're utilizing oh, yeah. neural, neuroplasticity. And, and basically, <laughs> neuroplasticity basically means what my brain used to do that was dysfunctional. I can retrain it. Yeah. And so, so I can learn a new routine that actually the outcome of that new routine is to activate a positive emotion. And so think of that, the outcome, instead of having anxiety and trying to deal with it by ignoring it, I actually rerouted that internal narrative. I took, I took the, the turn at the right, at the fork mm -hmm. in the road, and I went through my little new routine and it ended with gratitude. And, and then you think about what is the frequency of gratitude compared to the frequency of fear or pity or resentment or blame or whatever. That's crazy amazing. You said, you know, you've seen miracles, thousands of miracles changing people's lives. I mean, I yes, that's got to be just in and of itself so rewarding seeing people actually change their lives it's it is amazing it's, it's really what 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 drives me each day i can see uh, yeah it, you give someone a hand up and, and you know and that happened with phil with with phil we were able to disrupt his his hidden dark loop in hypnosis we were able to give him an experience where he could make peace with his departed brother and it wasn't just a thought that he was thinking Mm -hmm. But it was an experience that he had. And so so getting him to this place where we're going to rewrite the narrative, we got mm -hmm. him to the place where he would have a chance to make his peace with his brother. And it's probably no surprise to you or the listeners that the first thing his brother said to him is, I've been trying to reach you for 45 years, but you haven't been listening because you've been preoccupied mm -hmm. with punishing yourself and with shutting down your emotions i couldn't get through your wall wow so powerful i mean i feel it yeah you have I, um, a, a book called the miracle bridge is that where you put some of these miracles yeah. that have, you've experienced yeah so the miracle bridge um, is my book it's, it's something you can purchase out on amazon mm -hmm. 
And it started out, the Miracle Bridge started out really as nothing more than um, we were getting these five-star Google reviews out on our website where people were telling their story. Mm-hmm. And and my wife, um, she just kept begging me. She said, you got to write these stories down. And once in a while, even these Google reviews would get deleted. They would just, they would just disappear. And so I started to, I started to record them, write them down before they disappeared because we ended up losing several of those. And I don't know why, I don't know how, but, but they would just get deleted. You know, it started that way where we started to record these stories. And then at some point I just, I just knew that I needed to write a book probably in the, in the most hectic part of my life when, when I was the busiest um, you know, word was getting out the type of results that we were creating with these people. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just going to tell you that my typical client usually comes to me when nothing else has worked. That's when they Last usually resort. knock on the door. And, you know, the, the x-ray machines, it's not showing them anything. The blood tests isn't showing them anything. The medication isn't working. This is the typical story that I hear from my client mm-hmm. when they come to me. And they're like, I don't know what else to do. What I have learned, this term psychosomatic, which acknowledges that a lot that often um, unresolved emotional and psychological issues, if they're unresolved for long enough, eventually they start manifesting in physical ways. Mm-hmm. So it's not much of a stretch for an unresolved emotional trauma to turn into dis-ease. And, you know, and, I, and I state it that way very emphatically, it's dis-ease. It my is. body starts breaking down and no differently than maybe, you know, what would happen to my car if I keep driving it with a low tire? Yeah. You know, it's, it's at some point the tire is not only starting to wear funny, but it's starting to wear out my my transmission on my car, you know, and the axles mm-hmm. is being bent. And just as things start to go wrong when when we're living and ruminating in that negative energy that has become our normal. Yes. I agree. When I was talking on another podcast about the fact that with disease, you know, mental health had gotten such a terrible stigma. People with mental health problems had swept them under the rugs. You know, nobody wanted to talk about mental health. Well, it's finally come a little more to the surface, right? It's been brought to the surface a little bit more, but here's the reality of it is, you know, they talk about physical health versus mental health. Well, there isn't really a a line between them because as a nurse, I saw so many people come in with physical health problems that also had mental health problems because of the physical health problems. Yeah. A vicious cycle. Yeah. What comes first? The chicken or the egg? egg. Exactly. And you know, heart math is, is really a proponent of what you're saying as well. You know, it's what, when we get out of coherence or we get out of alignment, you know, there's, there's different aspects of our life. You know, there's the emotional, there's the spiritual, there's the physical, you know, and if any one of those aspects gets out of alignment, then it affects the other ones. Right. And, and with HeartMath and what's amazing with their technology, they have, they have some technology called EM Wave that actually measures coherence. So it actually measures the heart rate variability that's taking place inside of your nerve nervous system between heartbeats and it's it's okay. just it's just amazing that that can be measured and so when you have someone who's experiencing anxiety and you wire them up with this little device mm-hmm. they get to see what's happening inside of their body looking at the screen 
And, and so this little tool becomes this amazing little coach for you that, that you can actually, you can start practicing with it. And when, when you start improving your coherence through, through breathing and through changing your mentality, your mindset and, and, and anchoring positive emotions, when you start following some of these heart math modalities and these, these techniques, and you actually watch on the computer screen, you watch your coherence improving. That's amazing. It's scientific, you know, and it's measurable. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, for someone out there that's just saying, what am I supposed to do with all of these problems? You just would not believe how happy they become when they can learn some simple tools, some simple techniques, simple routines. And when they use them consistently, they are transforming their emotional life, right? And, and they're building emotional intelligence. They're learning new emotional coping mechanisms that probably weren't available to them when they were children and didn't have those resources available to them. Well, and they can, they can do more than survive. They can start to thrive. You know, I'm a breathwork facilitator just in doing this course, it's six month long course. And the first three months we do works on ourselves. And so we are ending up, we embody it. Right. And honestly, Mike, it is amazing. It is amazing just what breath can do, how it's changed me on the inside. I'm curious because I don't know enough about this with NLP and hypnosis and this heart math, heart math. Yeah, that's okay. right. I was going to call it heart mapping, but heart <laughs> math. Do you use them all together? Is it, are they all different and separate? Is it only certain clients need one as opposed to another? What do you, what do you see? That's, that? a, that's a really good question. You know, I would say that, that I've had a tremendous success rate with hypnosis because I do the prep work with NLP okay. and, and with heart math. So in fact, you know, this workshop that I told you that I recorded, it's a 12 hour workshop. Mm -hmm. um, it's all of the prep work is built into that workshop. It's the foundational work that you want to take someone through before you go in and try to start changing someone's thinking, right? It's you, you, so with NLP, there's, you know, you don't want to just try to change something without understanding why it's there. You know, and NLP is going to acknowledge that with most problems that people have, there are also benefits or payoffs that come from right. those problems. And They're so getting something from that. Yeah. Yeah. In and, some way, shape, know, or form. Yeah. You know, so so for example, you know, if I'm struggling with anxiety and I can't leave my house, I may really feel like a loser because I can't provide for my family. But on some level, I'm also relieved because I don't have to see my boss anymore because he's kind mm -hmm. of a jerk. You know what I mean? So there's mm -hmm. there's a payoff there. So so sometimes dysfunction can be a hiding place. I'm not saying that it always is, but sometimes the, the benefit may may outweigh what we perceive to be the benefit of, of overcoming that problem. And so so the prep work is really crucial, you know, and it's what I call the, the rototiller phase. Okay. You you want to do the rototilling before you plant the garden. You don't want to just take a handful of seeds and chuck them out there and, and just think that, you know, after a long cold winter. You know, you don't want to you don't want to just think that that's going to be your garden now. You know, like you want to dig up the rocks and the roots and you want to find the negative beliefs. You want to find 
the faulty premises that exist in someone's perception. And you'd be amazed, you know, their people are laced with limiting beliefs. Oh, I, you know, concept, I know my own, so I can only imagine. Yeah, concepts that get burned into you from childhood, then you become that rat in the maze where you don't even question those precepts anymore. Well, uh, generational trauma, right? Generational oh, trauma absolutely. just comes through the ranks. Yes, absolutely. And those other things, it sounds like something, you know, I mean, like you're opening things up, you're softening the earth, you're getting it ready to be planted, uh, much like meditation peels off fine layers where breath work gets a little deeper and is able to go a little deeper. But if you've already done a practice of meditation, you've already peeled back probably some layers. So then you add something else to it, it's able to go a little bit deeper. Let me just endorse um, meditation. I like meditation better than medication. By a country mile. And, and meditation is really just a discipline where you learn how to slow down your brain waves. Mm-hmm. And, and often when you get into a really good meditative state, you're going to you're going to lower your brain waves down into alpha, which is around 10 hertz, or even down into theta, theta. which is going to be six or seven hertz or, or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. And so hypnosis is the same thing. When I take someone into hypnosis, it's, it's literally taking them into an altered state of mind that, that most people go into on their own. And this is surprising to a lot of my new clients. The average person goes into hypnosis on their own 10 times a day. Really? Yeah. And in fact, think of it, we call it highway hypnosis. But, but think about when you went on a long road trip recently and you just lost an hour, you, you couldn't even believe that an hour had gone by, right? You're, you're in, you're in this, this altered state of consciousness and it's called highway hypnosis. You know, one other point I wanted to talk to, let me just circle back on, you, you were talking about the importance of breathing. Right. And I, I could not agree with you more, you know, and, you know, as a nurse, you'd be able to figure this out pretty quickly, you know, but if someone's having an anxiety attack or a panic attack, what, what typically happens with their breathing? Well, their breathing speeds up. Exactly right. You know, and so, so using some disciplined breathing when anxiety is trying to happen can actually play a part in preventing that emotional reaction from even getting activated in the first place. Correct. Right. You know, so, so yes, I totally agree with that. And, you know, so with some of my heart math steps that I teach, you know, breathing is a part of that. You know, some of these these pr- principles that I teach are so simple, you could easily teach them to children, you know, mm-hmm. and they would get it. They would understand it. And so that that's sort of what I'm taking on right now. The, the reason I'm starting to do. So I've got my own podcast. Um, that I guess we haven't mentioned that. You know, go ahead. Um, and mention. Yeah. So on, on YouTube, if you go out, uh, Mike Simpson, Miracle Bridge uh, is my channel. And uh, you can link to some of them from MikeSimpson.live, but not all of them are out on MikeSimpson.live. Okay. But uh, if if you go out and subscribe, you'll be able to hear the stories of all of my clients. One of which is Phil. You know, mm-hmm. so Phil came on in my podcast, and right. And so I so some of the some of the people that I've featured in my book uh, with their permission in the Miracle Bridge, mm-hmm. um, I'm bringing them back now, and we're actually having conversations. And so it's it's pretty fun. That is uh, for, for me, because it's not just me telling someone's story, but you get to see that story on their faces and, and you get to 
to hear from them what it was like to have their life transformed in such a powerful way. I am a nurse that became a nurse because I wanted to work in wellness. That was my thought process in the beginning and found out there wasn't a whole lot of options in wellness and there wasn't a lot of not just places or practitioners. Now that's changing, but there was no money in wellness and people didn't seem to care about their health until they got sick. But I think that there has been a consensus change that people are starting to want to cultivate positive um, preventative practices within their lives. I completely agree. I, I think that there's there's a group consciousness, the, the hundredth monkey, the hundred monkey syndrome, right? It's, yes. yes. We're, we're all we're all linking in to to these new concepts, and we're we're all learning how to raise our frequencies, how to raise our awareness, and it, it's just a natural evolution. And I think that the world today is filled with so many scary things. You know, there's this. There's this, you know, pandemic and there's this mm-hmm. lockdown and there's all of these things that are happening outside of our control. And it's easy to get wound up in that and just become overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And and so my goal, you know, the reason why I'm starting to speak up now is I'm kind of moving more towards the twilight of my career where mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily working with as many people as I used to. I used to be booked out sometimes three months in advance for people to have an appointment with me. Mm hmm. And, and I started to brainstorm. And in fact, that's why I wrote the book is I was trying to come up with ways to help people that didn't rely on my schedule, you know, right. and in the group workshop that I recorded for the same idea, it's like, how can I convey these core principles to someone in a cost effective, but life changing way, mm-hmm. you know, to, to be able to multiply this. And ultimately my goal is to be able to help you help yourself. Uh, <laughs> You speak right. my language, Mike, because yeah. that's honestly, I said, I'm not here to do anything for anyone except maybe give them tools so that they can find their own way. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, just telling some of these these stories that, that I'm telling, it's 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 healing the listeners because they, they see the authentic healing transformation that's coming over someone that's just like them. And they start to believe it's like, if it could happen to you, could it happen for me? There's, there's a new shift that that's, that's really, you know, taking over and, you know, and, and I'm, I'm trying to do my part in raising that group awareness. And, you know, I, I think this conversation today, well, I believe it will help someone out there who needs to hear what we had to say. Even and if it's might, one person. I, that's right. Right. That That's right. I mean, in, in my opinion, one person, we, we change the world one person at a time. You know, I've spent 25 years really just digging through the nuances of the subconscious mind, you know, and, and I've learned through trial and error. And I've just had just thousands and thousands of hours of experience that has made me smarter. It's made me a little bit more, you know, observant. observant. Mm-hmm. And and so so my goal right now is if I could take every secret that I've learned and make it available to someone else and show them how simple it is and they can start doing the same thing. And then that starts radiating out from them, you know, then, then it really is. It's like, it's networking, right? We connect to someone, we we help them change and they're going to connect to three other people and it's going to help them change. It can't help but radiate itself out. 
And so even if we only reach one person, maybe that one person tells two and then two becomes four. And yeah, I love that you said, if I could share all of my secrets, all of my knowledge, and you, I see that you're doing that. I think, at least I feel, if we all felt that same way, how how we could heal this world. I mean, because there are those people that don't dare share their knowledge because they're afraid that it will make them obsolete. But then there are people like you and people like me that I will share whatever you'd like to know, or I will share what I know because I know that in sharing it, it, it broadens. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I've just, I've been surprised by this as well, but the more I share the more profound epiphanies come to me. You know, I'm just continually learning. And as, as I just stay in the cause, stay with the cause, there's just more information that's flowing into me that's making me more useful. You know, it's, it's making me more helpful. And that's happening in part because I'm keeping myself in a frequency that's receptive to those epiphanies. Because you're living your alignment. That's right. <laughs> living my alignment that's right you can't help but be a magnet for all those things that that need to come through you yeah and and that's also true with someone someone who's being a negative magnet Agreed. If, if someone is someone is trapped in the maze mm-hmm. and they're locked into this negative emotion and let's say that they're always in a low-grade fight or flight it's just always present in their system then there's a certain frequency that they become normal. That becomes normal. It becomes a dark magnet. And likewise, that will attract chaos to them, and it will keep recreating those same patterns. You know, so our our goal is how do we change our frequency? How do we really do it? You know, and what I've found is you you might have to do it 100 times a day. You know, it's not just, it's not just, you know, close your eyes and swing for the ball and hope it goes over the fence. But, you know, you got to keep your eyes open and you have to look for a strike. You know, you've got to stay with it. You've got to work on it. Yeah. And and so that's that's what I've been doing. And, you know, and that's brought me some tremendous insights. And it's developed some God-given abilities that, that I have that have increased through use. You know, the old adage of burying your talents or using them, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I've, I took a chance and... Um, you know, I, I stepped into doing this type of work full time um, back in 2015. And before that, I was a software engineer. And, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I had a good paying job with benefits and a pretty cushy life. Mm-hmm. Stressful, but a cushy life. And mm-hmm. and we felt some divine guidance and a divine nudge that this is what I was supposed to be doing. And I used to just do this on the side on my you know, free time. And, and free so, time? I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but I, I made the jump, you know, and I started to do this full time. This, this is what I do now. And, um, and the more I've done it, the better I've gotten at it. And the more excited I've gotten about really putting this message out there to the next level. Can I ask you a question? Sure. When you made that leap, um, from software full-time, software engineer full-time to what you're doing now full-time. 
what did you see happen in your life? Did you see a <laughs> shift? Did you see a change? I'm sure it was scary as hell, but. Well, you know, I'll tell you what what I envisioned in my mind when you were talking. <laughs> is I, I jumped off of a ship and landed in a little canoe that, <laughs> that was being tossed and, and you know, tossed in the big waves. Because <laughs> that's what it was like. It was it was it was really scary you know and it was it was a an absolute leap of faith and but what i found amazing is you know my wife was encouraging me to quit for years cuz i was working two jobs i would work weekends and nights with with the counseling that i do and then i was doing software engineering during the day and i was i, I was really i was just i was burning the candle at both ends and Right. Probably not doing either very well. You know, I was just, <laughs> I, I was not resilient, but my, my wife was, was good enough and she believed in me. And that really played an important part, part for me is she knew that this is what we were supposed to do. She knew this is what I was supposed to do. And, you know, it was like, if you build it, they will come, uh-huh. you know, and <laughs> she convinced me to do that. And so I quit my job and you know, we were hoping we were going to be able to pay our bills with this this next thing, and there was a transition for sure. But Absolutely. probably probably a year after that is when I was so busy, I was so booked out that sometimes a client would have to wait three months to be able to get in and see me. So okay, so and follow up question to that is, what d- did you feel happen internally? Did you feel a shift inside yourself when you made that leap? That's a that's a really good question. I was able to embrace my gift. And so when, when I was working on a computer all day long, I could do my job adequately. Mm-hmm. Maybe some would argue that, but <laughs> I could do my, <laughs> I, I could do my job adequately. But what I do now, um, I'm I'm gifted at. And so it's so I can be out on the cutting edge and you know, I, I will tell you that I, I was profoundly impacted when these desperate people started coming and there was no shortage of them. And for most of them, this was the last stop. They had tried everything else and, and many of them were even suicidal. And, and and I'll be totally honest with you that when I felt the weight of their hope, um, I could do, I really couldn't do anything but look to God. And I, I started praying. I started looking to God, and I knew that God would step in. And it's so my faith, my faith went to a to a whole new level. And because I knew that God wanted to help them, and I knew He could help them through me if I would get out of the way. And I also knew that if I had fear, then I wouldn't be able to help them. And so I, I embraced that concept, and I built an empowering belief. And I, I trusted that God would work through me, and that trust has gotten stronger ever since that happened. And, so and he has. I, yeah. <laughs> he has. It is you. You have seen miracles. You experience miracles all of the time. Yeah. And I honor you in that. I love that you that you own your gift. I'm so glad you claim it. I'm so glad that you honor it and that you are living that because so many people go their lives without ever even having an idea of what gift they hold. Yeah. I, I would have never, I would have never even realized the fulfillment that was waiting for me. Had I not made that, that jump, you know, and so there's no regrets. I mean, it's, it launched me into, into 
the most terrifying challenges I've ever experienced. And it has stretched me in ways that I didn't know I could be stretched. And, but at, in the end of the day, the, the thousands of people and their lives that changed and that, that, that I could play a small part in that. Mm -hmm. And but that to be able to lead them into that divine space where they could experience that liberation, you know, so it's, it's been absolutely a blessing and a privilege to do it. And the more I've done it, the better I've gotten at it. And so I guess, I guess we're now to the, to the time where I'm starting to talk about it mm -hmm. and, and maybe raising the visibility of this and in, in, in hopes that someone else out there can hear this and, Maybe they can be inspired to make their jump into their own canoe. I was going to say, yeah, I'd say, Mike, it's a damn good thing you weren't the canoe builder, though. No, Entrust <laughs> 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 the canoe building to, to the professionals. It sounded like yeah. you jumped into a good one. It was it was yeah. it was seaworthy. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a fact. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I hope that it does. I hope it raises the consciousness of others who may be obtain that gift as well and can decide to step into that into that gift into the light and use it to help communities families whatever heal yeah. be a guide be a be a conduit for good and be a catalyst be a catalyst absolutely yeah that if, if you, anyone knows what a catalyst is it helps to boost whatever is already there yeah so it's not that you don't already have it within yourself, but having a catalyst definitely increases your odds That's <laughs> and success. Very good. Yeah. Oh, Mike, I am so privileged to have had you on today. And I learned a lot. I was unaware of fully what, what you did and what it all meant. And you have increased my knowledge and thank you for sharing that with me. That's has opened my eyes and opened another conduit in within myself. And I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for all that you do and for stepping into your gift, honestly. Well, well thank you for the opportunity. I enjoyed talking with you and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we can cross pollinate a few listeners. And <laughs> Absolutely. And get, get I would love that. Okay. I would love that. I am going to put in the show notes where Mike can be found. I'll put where his book, what his book is, where it can be found, his podcast, and all of the pertinent information that he would like you to know about him, we'll put it in the show notes. And I just, honestly, my cup was filled and to overflowing today. And I thank you so much for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. What a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. So much goodness and so many tidbits to take away from today's conversation. I hope that this episode caused you to pause, to think, to feel, and maybe dig deeper in the search for resilience within yourself. I hope that some of you were able to find things here to add to or to help you hone tools you've already acquired in your individual search for resilience. I can't wait to see you next time.